Our next presenter will be Dr. Jessica Bogman from the Retinal Institute of California as well. Dr. Bogman is a comprehensive ophthalmologist who specializes in, medical, in medically treating diseases of the retina and vitreous. She received her Bachelor's of Art degree in Arkansas at Hendricks College and her medical degree from the University of Arkansas from Medical Sciences in Little Rock, Arkansas. Her ophthalmology residency program was completed at the Jones Eye Institute in Little Rock. She currently practices comprehensive ophthalmology in Long Beach, Tustin, and Anaheim Hills. Please give a warm welcome to Dr. Jessica Buckman. Thank you for having me today. We're still waiting for my uh, presentation to load. But today I will be speaking about glaucoma once we get this PowerPoint pulled up. How many people in this room have glaucoma? Wow, quite a few of you. So this talk will be useful. We're, we are ready to get started. So um, today we'll be talking about glaucoma, the diagnosis, the screening, and the treatment management options. So glaucoma is a group of disorders that's characterized to damage, characterized by damage to the optic nerve. Damage to the optic nerve causes vision loss. Um, it's often associated with elevated pressure in the eye, and that elevated pressure causes loss of ner the nerve fibers. Thank you. That compose the optic nerve. So there are many different types of glaucoma. These types include congenital glaucoma, which is something babies are born with, uh, primary open angle glaucoma, closed angle glaucoma, normal tension glaucoma, and secondary glaucoma, which can be caused by many uh, diseases of the eye, including inflammation. And so secondary glaucoma is caused by diseases of the eye, such as uveitis, inflammation. Secondary glaucoma can occur after cataract surgery, after vitreous surgery, um, and so on and so forth. However, in the United States, the most common cause of glaucoma is what's called primary open-angle glaucoma. And this accounts for 90% of glaucomas in the United States. So, just to begin, I wanted to go over a little bit of eye anatomy so you knew what we were talking about. Um, this is the front of the eye. It's called the cornea. This is the back of the eye, and this is the optic nerve. The optic nerve is composed of a bunch of nerve signals from the retina, which is what Dr. Davis talked about, that combine to form a bundle, which is the optic nerve. And that optic nerve goes back to carries information, light signals, to the back of the brain. Here is what we look at. Here's a picture of the optic nerve when we're looking at the back of the eye. You can see it's a composition of all these little fibers from the retina that combine to form one bundle, which then, again, carries the, nerve, the light signals in the nerve to the back of the eye. Um, your eye is filled with um, a fluid. It's called aqueous humor. Aqueous humor determines the pressure of the eye. Everybody can, um, produces a constant rate of aqueous humor. It's um, formed as a byproduct of kind of a filtration process of the blood. So that aqueous humor, everyone has a constant production, and that then drains from the eye, and new aqueous humor is uh, produced. However, in glaucoma, there's a decreased reduction 
of the efficiency of the drainage of the fluid from the eye. And when that fluid doesn't drain well from the eye, you get an increased pressure in the eye. So how do we know if you may or may not have glaucoma? Um, first of all, you need to go see your ophthalmologist because this is not a diagnosis that most people have symptoms or a disease in which most people have symptoms. Most people are asymptomatic in glaucoma. So you may or may not have elevated eye pressure, and you may or may not know this. And the only way to know for sure what your pressure is is to go and see um, your eye doctor. Um, the problem with glaucoma is, I mentioned earlier, it causes visual field loss. But the visual field loss isn't in the center of the eye. It affects the peripheral portion of the eye first. So often patients don't know that they have glaucoma until the glaucoma damage is rather advanced. And the problem with nerve damage, as you all probably have heard, is once nerves have been damaged, we can't regenerate them. So the best thing to do with glaucoma is to prevent the, the vision loss itself. And if this vision loss isn't treated and detected early, it can lead to total blindness. Unlike macular degeneration, which Dr. Davis talked about earlier, macular degeneration will not cause total loss of vision. It may decrease the central por portion of your vision, but the peripheral portion of your vision remains intact. Glaucoma is the opposite. It attacks the peripheral ports portion of your vision first and gradually can cause total blindness with uh, loss of center vision last. So the signs of glaucoma damage are increased intraocular pressure, which is also known as IOP for short, um, an increased cupping of the optic nerve, which I will show later, um, and progressive characteristic visual field changes and thinning of the optic nerve as um, evidenced by scanning in the office. So increased IOP, is uh, intraocular pressure, is common in glaucoma. However, you don't have to have increased interocular pressure to have glaucoma. Normal IOP is about 21. However, if you're above or below that, you have to get, and you have signs of glaucoma on your physical exam findings, you have to perform other tests to determine whether or not you can have glaucoma. Some patients can have thick corneas, which is the front surface of the eye. And thick corneas can cause an, uh, an artificial elevation of pressure just with our uh, testing mechanisms currently. And that increase, that artificial increase in pressure is not necessarily a bad thing. So here I want to show you when you go to the doctor's office, the first thing the doctor will do, your ophthalmologist, is look in the back of the eye. And when we look in the back of the eye, we look at the appearance of the optic nerve. Normal optic nerves appear like this uh, image over here on the left. You see how the center area is very small. That's a very healthy appearing optic nerve. However, on this optic nerve over here on the right, you see that the center area is increased. The center area is increased because um, glaucoma has caused damage to that nerve and those nerve fibers, some of them that make up the nerve uh, optic nerve, have died off, often associated with high pressure. So here's another uh, illustration of this. Um, again, you have your image on the left, which shows the normal appearance of the optic nerve, normal center. But on this eye over here on the right, you have an enlarged appearance, which is suspicious for glaucoma. 
So to determine if you have an if you have an enlarged optic nerve in the back of your eye, you'll go to the doctor. The doctor will notice that, and then he or she will perform some additional tests to determine whether or not that um, enlarged optic nerve is actually a sign of a glaucomatous optic nerve. So these tests include um, uh, a pressure check of the eye, um, a gonioscopy, which looks at the drainage structure of the eye, a visual field test, and an OCT, which is a scan that measures the thickness of the optic nerve. So who, who's gone to the eye doctor and had their eye pressure checked? Probably everybody here in this room. There are two basic ways to do it. Um, the most basic way is with the tono pen. The tono pen's good because it gives you a baseline screening of what the pressure is. But for more advanced patients with glaucoma, your doctor will check you by applination, which means they shine the blue light in the eye, and this little applinator will actually touch the eye to measure the pressure. It's, it's a little bit more precise than the tono pen. Um, the next test we do in the office is we do a gonioscopy. This is a mirror that we actually put on the surface of the eye. And that mirror allows us to look at the drainage structure of the eye. The drainage structure is an important portion of your glaucoma workup because if the drainage structure, the trabecular meshwork is what it's called in our terms, is not open, you're at a higher risk for uh, progression to glaucoma. And the treatment options are a little bit different. So it's really important to look at the uh, outflow structure of the eye. So here is what we're looking at. It's an, uh, il art cartoon illustration. So this shows an open angle, which accounts for 90% of the glaucoma in the U.S. This shows a closed angle with this, uh, ciliary body, which produces the aqueous humor that presses up against the trabecular meshwork so fluid can't drain from the eye. And then in those patients, they'll have markedly elevated pressure. So um, the most important uh, part of your glaucoma testing will involve visual field tests. Visual field tests are important, like I mentioned earlier, because most patients with visual field loss from glaucoma, it affects their peripheral vision first. So many patients who have damage because of the glaucoma do not realize that they have damage until you get the visual field testing done. So in order to have a diagnosis of glaucoma, not only does your optic nerve have to be enlarged, but you also have to have these characteristic visual field changes. Without visual field changes, you won't have glaucoma. So this, the visual field changes are important because they're used to determine whether the disease is stable or if it has progressed. How many people in here have had visual field testing performed? Quite a few of you. That's great. And most of you don't know that you don't like it, correct? Yeah, it's not very fun. It's kind of a stressful test where you sit in a, in a machine and they cover one eye and you have to press a button every time you see a light. So it's kind of stressful for some patients. So here's a picture of this visual field machine. Your chin goes up here in this and then we shine lights in the back of this dome. When patients have glaucoma, for example, in this patient, this is a picture of a visual field change with the black spots, the black dark dots, representing areas of vision that have been totally lost because of the glaucoma damage. Like I mentioned earlier, once you get damaged to that nerve, 
you can't bring that vision back. So what's gone is gone. But what our goal is in the treatment of glaucoma is to prevent any further visual field loss. The next text we do in the optic is, or in the office is called an OCT of the optic nerve. This is a scan where you sit at a computer and it actually measures the thickness of the optic nerve. In patients who are healthy, they have very nice, thick optic nerves and their normal size. However, in patients with glaucoma, they have thin optic nerves. That correlates to the area of vision loss. So the sections that they have lost nerves, they actually have um, visual field changes in that area as well. So here's a picture of the OCT of the optic nerve. Um, you guys know, well, you all may know that um, these OCTs are also formed on the macula and on the optic nerve. So you can have them for many different treatments, um, for many different um, diseases of the eye. OCTs are very helpful. So the diagnosis of glaucoma is based on the combination of your exam findings, which is the enlarged optic nerve, the pressure in the eye, and whether or not you have visual field changes or thinning on the OCT test. So if you have a diagnosis of a glaucoma, what happens next? Who knows? Eye drops. Very good. I heard it. So there are lots of different treatments for glaucoma. The first treatment is medical with the use of eye drops, and I'll go over that in a minute. But we also have lasers, and patients uh, do really well with these laser glaucoma therapies as well. And finally, if uh, you're not responding to surgery or if you're not responding to drops or lasers, we'll go on to surgical treatment. So look at all these glaucoma drops. How many of you guys have all these drops? I bet some of you feel like you have all these drops for sure. <laughs> So drops are the first-line treatment for glaucoma. And there are numerous individual medications. And there's also combination medications, which take two individual medications and combine them to make one drop. So there are four different classes of glaucoma medications. There are beta blockers, prostaglandin analogs, uh, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors, and alpha-2 adrenergic agents. Some of these medications, such as Timolol or uh, Cosop, Simbronza, are a combination of two of these classes. And why the pharmaceutical companies have done this is to make it easier for you to adhere to your medication. Because it's a lot easier to take, well, bear with me, three medications a day rather than four medications a day. So it's good if you um, are on many different drops, you could consider asking your doctor whether or not he or she has a combination medication that will benefit you if you're not on that. So laser treatment in glaucoma is a good, a good uh, addition to some uh, medical therapies. In fact, oftentimes if you get a laser glaucoma treatment, we can get you off about one drop. That's not all always true, but I like to offer it to my patients um, um, as a relatively early treatment because that way we can get you off one drop. And, I mean, nobody really likes to be on drops the rest of their life. Do you? No, they're no fun. <laughs> I agree with you. So the laser treatment for glaucoma helps increase the outflow of the fluid from the eye. With the increased outflow of the fluid, that will help lower the pressure in the eye. 
Another good thing about this laser glaucoma treatment is there's relatively few risks associated with it. Some patients will have a, a transient interocular pressure spike, but often that goes away within a week. Um, and it's also used in combination with medical treatment. So the good thing is you can do both. And the, the medical treatment and the laser treatment will both help to lower your pressure in your eye. There are many types of laser. There's called um, a laser iridotomy. That's for angle closure glaucoma. I have to do that um, often uh, first line for my patients with angle closure glaucoma. However, there's also called SLT and ALT laser treatments. The SLT we can repeat about once every one to three years. The ALT, however, is not repeatable. Um, Finally, for glaucoma treatments, I'd like to touch on some surgical interventions. Um, There are many surgical interventions, including trabeculectomy, a tube shunt, um, a CPC, which is a laser destruction of the ciliary body, which produces the aqueous humor. And there's also a few newer treatments that can be combined with cataract surgery, such as the eye stent or the express mini shunt. So the first one I want to talk about is trabeculectomy. It's the oldest form of glaucoma surgery we have. Um, As you can see from this picture, you have an elevated area of your conjunctival, which is the white part of your eye. The trabeculectomy actually makes makes an alternative outflow for the aqueous humor. So instead of draining back um, out into your veins of your head, it will actually drain out into the superficial veins of your face. So it kind of creates an alternative outflow. Next, I have a tube shunt. A tube shunt is actually a tube that we insert into the uh, anterior chamber of the eye, and that tube shunt flows fluid out and back. Um, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a little bit more aggressive than a trabeculectomy, and you'll have that tube in your eye for the rest of your eye, life. We don't remove that. Um, Next is the eye stent. Uh, This can be combined with cataract surgery. Cataract surgery itself will help uh, decrease your interocular pressure by about two points, which is pretty good. But then during surgery, we can also put this little drainage structure in the eye, and that will also help the outflow. Here is the eye stent on a penny, and you can see here's the year of the penny right here. So it's about the size of one of those letters on the the year of a penny. So you can imagine how tiny that is. That's why we have to do this in the operating room um, with the use of a surgical microscope. Um, Finally, there's the express mini shunt. Again, I really like this uh, device. You um, make a small incision on the external portion of the eye, and then you insert this tube from the outside of the eye instead of going from the inside like we do in uh, cataract surgery. Again, this is a great option for patients with high pressure in their eye. So, um, in summary... People um, with family history of glaucoma, so if your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your uh, kids have glaucoma, you should be screened because patients with a family history of glaucoma have a higher prevalence of the disease itself. So I would go see an eye doctor just to verify that you may or may not have signs of glaucoma. And that concludes my um, presentation. Who has questions? We have a we have a question over here. Uh, good morning, doctor. Yes, I have a question. On my left eye, 
My vision is it turns sides. Uh, if I see the, uh, uh, a pole, it goes sideways. It, so what you're describing is not a symptom of glaucoma. That sounds to me, he's asking, um, this lovely gentleman is asking why his vision appears um, distorted. And distortion is a problem. Visual distortion is a problem with the back of the eye, a problem with the macula or the retina. Glaucoma actually does not produce distortion. It causes loss of vision. So you wouldn't be able to see that area of distortion if you had glaucoma. So that sounds to me like a retinal problem that you need to have probably looked at by your eye care doctor. And normally once that distortion occurs, sometimes that does not go away. Yeah, I wanted to know about, um, you had mentioned the medications, the eye drops. Yes, sir. So a lot of formularies have changed to generic. So how potent are the generics versus the authentic eye drop? That is an excellent question. So I actually um, went to talk on this last night. By um, FDA regulations, uh, the generics have to be within 20% potency of the, um, of the brand name medication. Now, that 20% potency can be either above or below. But generics are not as closely regulated as uh, for, like the brand name formulary medications. In some cases of glaucoma, that, that can be okay to be on generic medications. But if you have more advanced form of disease and you're not responding to treatment appropriately, some doctors will switch you to brand name medications only because um, they're a little bit more highly regulated. But I want to preface that by saying, you know, generic medications aren't, aren't bad. But in some cases, you might find that the brand name medications work a little bit better because they are more closely regulated. Well, has that been followed as far as, um, you know, insurance companies, you know? No, insurance companies do not follow that. Okay, how about, um, you know, doctors or institutions, you know, when you look um, at... So, in order to regulate components of medications, that's not something that doctors' offices are equipped to do. Take specialized equipment to do that. Next question, right up front. Yes, I was diagnosed with um, glaucoma, and then, and then uh, I was put on medication... And then a few years after that, I had gone to UCLA with my husband, and they said I did not have glaucoma. There are white clouds in the back of the eye and can be misdiagnosed as glaucoma. So to me, it sounds like you probably had what's called optic disdrusen. And um, some, so like I mentioned earlier, to have a diagnosis of glaucoma, you have to have a characteristic appearance of your visual, of your optic nerves and characteristic visual field losses. So you might have calcifications on your optic nerves that cause, that cause visual field problems. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I just wanted to share that. That's that. an interesting story. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Next question. Uh, hello, doctor. Uh, what is the recommended time to have a, a examinations for glaucoma? That's a great question. So there are no um, 
there aren't necessarily like screening examinations per glaucoma. Like you need to have them. Like they're, it's not like a mammogram, like or colonoscopy. You need to have your mammogram by age forty, your colonoscopy by age fifty. Um, glaucoma screenings uh, a little bit different. So for the general population, once you hit about fifty-five. 60, I would recommend seeing an ophthalmologist, you know, just to assess your eye health because you're start, you're at the age where you're going to start developing eye problems such as cataracts or dry eyes. However, in patients with a strong family history of glaucoma, especially African Americans who are more prone to develop glaucoma, I would recommend an earlier screening exam. Um, after the age of 55, I see every patient back in every year. But if you have a strong family history of glaucoma, I would go see an ophthalmologist and get a baseline test and then let them tell you what their opinion is of your risk of developing that. If you have a diagnosis of glaucoma, it, you need to be seen every four months at the minimum. Sometimes you can go a little bit longer, but it depends on the extent of your disease. Oftentimes that's a shorter period as well. Sir, right here. I... It took my eye doctor about three years to diagnose me as a low-tension glaucoma. Mm -hmm. And I have to keep my pressure down to below teens or close to 10. Yes. And I have gone through two glaucoma and cataract exams in 20 years ago. Last year, another doctor recommended I have a second operation on the bad eye but he will not recommend it on the good eye. What are the treatments you can recommend to control the pressure and not getting worse? I'm almost 95% blind now. Okay, so the question is, what surgical treatments do you do uh, for glaucoma after you've already had surgery? There are many different options, so I I can't comment on your case directly because you're not my patient. But the options include to repeat the trabeculectomy, which is to create another drainage structure from the eye. Sometimes uh, they'll put a shunt in the eye. A tube shunt is what it's called. The names of those tube shunts are Ahmed valves or Barbell valves. Um, Those help take fluid out of the eye. They help drain. Um, Oftentimes they'll do a laser to this eye, especially in a patient who's 95% blind, just to... uh, basically destroy the ciliary body, which produces the aqueous humor. And by destroying that ciliary body, you you won't produce any fluid, which will make the pressure go down. So there are a lot of different options. Question over here. Uh, what are the normal range of, uh, for uh, pressure? So please? the normal range of pressure um, uh, is about 16 to 21 with the majority of pressures being skewed towards higher higher pressures, like 20, 18, 20, 18 to 20. Um, next question, right over here. I had cataract surgery in both eyes. So do, do I request um, an eye exam, or do they do it on their own? Am I supposed to request the eye exam, or is it done um, automatically? I recommend, um, as you get older, there are a bunch of different diseases that can occur in the eyes. These diseases include, as you know, macular degeneration, dry eyes, cataracts, glaucoma, and floaters. Even if you've had your cataracts removed, cataracts are just one part of an eye. So I would still be seen by an eye doctor about every year. 
Um, if you have a certain type of insurance called an HMO insurance, you'll have to request to be seen by an eye doctor by your primary care physician. So I do recommend yearly eye exams, even if you've had cataract surgery. Question over here. Um, I heard that um, if you have cataracts, that even if they came up with a cure, they wouldn't be able to help you. Have you heard anything about that? Um, so the question is, is there a cure for cataracts? And the answer for that is yes. Cataract surgery is how we get rid of cataracts. Everyone who lives long enough will, de develop, will develop cataracts. It's a natural part of aging, unavoidable. It's just part of, part of growing up. Yeah, but um, they, excuse me, but they say if you've had a cataract, if you have that, you won't be able to get any help even if they come through for something, you know, if they come through with a cure. No, the cure for cataracts is cataract surgery. Cataract surgery removes the cataracts. Cataract surgery... And once you remove the cataracts, the cataracts never grow back. No, so the cure for cataracts is cataract surgery. No, that's not what I mean. They say if you have cataracts, you know, if you have it, they, there won't be any help for you. But if you don't have cataracts and you get macular degeneration, there would be help. Um, no, that, that, sorry. So cataracts are a lens in the front of the eye, which every de button develops when they get older. Everybody will need cataract surgery if you live long enough. So everybody in this room is going to have to have cataract surgery at some point in your life. It's just part of, it's part of life. And cataract surgery will improve your vision. Sometimes, though, if you have macular degeneration, um, your visual acuity measurement on a chart won't get better because you have damage to the macula, which is the part of the eye that's responsible for seeing that chart. But cataract surgery will allow more light to go from, from the outside world, from the back of the eye, or from the front of the eye to the back of the eye. Over here, doctor. Yes, ma'am. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Uh, more than 10 years ago, I had a detached retina surgery. Mm -hmm. And then last year, I was diagnosed as uh, glaucoma suspect. And so I ask you if uh, the retinal uh, uh, the attachment, reattachment had an effect of me developing the glaucoma. And why is it called glaucoma suspect instead like it's glaucoma, you know? Those are great questions. So the first question is, does retinal detachment and surgery to repair retinal detachment cause an increased incidence in glaucoma? And the answer to that is yes. Sometimes, depending on what surgeries perform for the retinal detachment, it can cause some high pressure in the eye and predispose you to developing glaucoma in that eye that you develop the retinal detachment in. The second question is, what is a glaucoma suspect? So a glaucoma suspect is when a patient has an enlarged optic nerve in either one or both eyes. And that enlarged optic nerve can be normal or it can be associated with visual field tests, visual field defects. So in a glaucoma suspect, they may have an enlarged optic nerve, but no visual field defects. So in patients, as you get older, you're more likely to develop glaucoma. So what they do is sometimes if your optic nerve's getting bigger over age, they just have to watch you closely to make sure you don't develop those visual field defects. So it means they're watching you for the development of glaucoma, but you don't quite have glaucoma yet. So that's a good thing. Okay, final question. Okay, I have, I've, I've had uh, laser surgery, 
and I'm having more problems now since I had the surgery. And, and both eyes I'm having problems. Well, um, so the question is, can uh, glaucoma, laser surgery uh, cause more problems? So in the majority of the patients that have laser surgery, it does not cause more problems. Um, I, I don't know what your particular case is and which type of laser surgery you had performed, but generally laser surgery is a pretty low-risk procedure. Yeah. But like I mentioned earlier, sometimes it always doesn't work, so then you still have to have medical treatment with your laser surgery. Well, thank you all very much for having me, and thanks, Braille. And- Thank you, Dr. Bachman. You're welcome.